Imagine a world where you knew that you mattered and you belonged. The people cared about you because we were so darn good at listening to one another, no matter how different we are. That is what Sidewalk Talk is doing by putting listeners on sidewalks all over the world so that we can practice the art of connecting. Join me, founder and director Tracy Rubel, as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. Jill Deneen is like a walking heart. I met her in a group that I've been in, and she recently wrote a book. But what's so fascinating about Jill is that she's a classically trained scientist. She has a master's degree in marine science and did much of her work towards a PhD in forestry, but discovered that she's really has a huge intuitive part of herself. And so now what she does is she's really um, a healing intuitive and a translator of the body's inherent wisdom. She's an earth medicine practitioner and a storyteller and fierce social justice advocate. But there's something very special about this book that she just published. It's called A Landscape of Mothers. And I feel, I feel like, well, I was a little sad that I didn't have it when I was a new mom, but I'm so happy to have it now because it's really meant to be used not just by mothers, but all of us who need to learn how to access different aspects of our mothering nature. And we have many mothering natures, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And you're really going to hear, you're going to want to lean in close to this conversation because Jill takes her time choosing her words. You can almost hear them filtering down from her head, through her heart, and then out her lips. So it's this careful, thoughtful, intuitive conversation about connecting to our mother nature's natures and really leaning into the wisdom of the earth and to our bodies as we become connectors. And so I'm really excited for you to not only learn about Jill, but also she is having and hosting a book club now. Her desire to serve us all with this material is so genuine and heartfelt. So if you're interested I highly encourage you to get some time with Jill, be a part of her book club, and spend some time with a landscape of mothers in Jill's presence, because it's kind of like getting a transfusion, if you know what I mean. So without further ado, Jill Deneen. So Jill, I, I'm excited to have this new birth that you just birthed shared with all of our listeners. Tell us, tell us about this beautiful, beautiful being, entity, artifact that you just brought into the world. Um, the short idea is that it's a book. Um, it's called Landscape of Mothers. It's a series of archetypes for um, relating to the natural world and the 
the sort of premise or where it came from for me was um, doing a lot of healing after I had my children around parenting and taking care of each other and really ultimately about relationships, um, both with myself and with the people in my life. And um, the the two things that it really taps into um, that I think were helpful for me were um, nature. So being able to have relationships with nature in a lot of ways um, gave me some of the tools I was missing around having relationships with people. And then the other um, was archetypes because I think it was helpful to be able to um, sort of make manageable pieces of things, you know, when we're talking about life and, and who we are, it's so intricate and complex and we're, um, we're these like complex woven things of experience and senses. And, um, and so archetypes for me were helpful to sort of be able to, to work with manageable pieces. And so this book, um, is nature archetypes. There are eight, um, eight archetypes that I, you know, apply to, to mothering. And in this case, I really mean like how we take care of and protect and nourish and nurture each other. Um, and um, yeah, that's kind of the short, short form. I want to know your story and what had you pull together at this particular moment in time, this connection to nature, archetypal wisdom and mothering, like how, what was happening for you in the process of becoming a mother and engaging with other mothers that, and, and your own professional history that sort of brought this together? Uh, yeah, it's um, basically my whole life. and. In order to make that sort of a, 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 you know, a little handful instead of my entire life. Um, I think the, it started as a, you know, as a kid, I, being parented and, um, you know, my parents came from a generation of people who had different kinds of ideas about parenting, um, you know, that there was a lot of, you know, kids are seen and not heard. Kids are, you know, they need to work and help support the family. And they were basically seen as little adults. And uh, so my parents kind of came out of those parenting ideas. And uh, I was born in the 1970s. And so, you know, there was this, there was a little bit, I think, of a different orientation. People were starting to think more about um, love and caring. And then, you know, now we're to this place of attachment and, and things like that, that, um, that can inform some about how we relate to each other, but that really wasn't there then. And I think when I look back along my family line, I just see perpetuation of, of some certain wounds and especially in my particular family, um, just abandonment, you know, just this neglect of, of, of the heart, um, not like abuse, neglect, but just that neglect of the heart. And 
And so I grew up feeling those wounds. Uh, my parents divorced when I was like seven. And I feel like I did a lot of parenting for my parents And when I look back. And then when I was 18, I placed a baby for adoption. And that severance was incredibly painful. And I think set the stage for, for really deeply feeling and embodying the desire to, for things to be different. And so when I married and had my own children in my thirties, when they came along, um, I had this really deep desire to do things differently and it was really difficult because I didn't have a lot of the experiences and tools that I needed in order to do it differently. So um, to kind of spin in some of the other pieces, I had spent my 20s in school. Um, I went through a lot of school and I was uh, working in ecology and conservation biology. And so I had a lot of experience with the outdoors um, a lot of academic experience as well as personal experience. And I got to spend, I was really fortunate. I got to spend just months at a time living out in on islands and um, in nature. And, and I think that was really soothing for my soul. But in my 20s, like the focus was more career oriented. So by the time I got to my 30s and I was having children, I had both of these avenues sort of running this personal. Um, desire to do relationship differently and this experience with nature. And, and so when I went looking up my first orientation to trying to find a way to do differently was academic. I went and read every parenting book and I couldn't figure out why it didn't feel easier. And at some point I realized I was missing pieces and the pieces, the, the first pieces I noticed I was missing was some kind of context for myself. I suppose we, you could call it spirituality. I didn't have a particularly religious upbringing and I was lacking sort of a bigger context, a sense of being embedded in something bigger. And so nature kind of became that for me, that I understood being embedded inside of life force energy in a particular way. And the other thing was, was I had a lot of frustration when my children were little around just how difficult everything felt. And one of the preschool teachers that my kids went to, she, um, she asked me, she said it seemed that I was very clear about what I didn't want, but I wasn't as sure about what I did want. And so kind of finding a new orientation. And I think that's where landscape of mothers came from was this sense of needing a map, wanting a way to move and a way to explore the things that I just didn't know, uh, you know, and yet have it be kind of cohesive and coherent and feel like I was actually going somewhere, even though I was kind of in the unknown. Wow, I'm so glad I asked about the larger story. There are so many inputs that almost I'm hearing even the, you know, placing a baby up for adoption 
what I'm hearing is that your desire and intention to no, not, no longer neglect the heart sort of brought you along, right? Like all these pieces of your journey kept you on the straight and narrow of that intention, or maybe they caused it. I don't know. But in each, in each moment, as you were talking, I'm like, oh, that would have brought her back to her heart. And oh, that one would have brought her back. Oh, and there's another heart, right? Like I keep hearing how the pathway kept bringing you back to this quality of mission that we can't neglect our heart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, I just felt, I think when I look back, I didn't necessarily, I wouldn't have said this necessarily at the time, but I think I look back and there was, yeah, like you said, this just re-delivery of, oh, and back here and oh, back here. And so it feels like a life purpose, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it feels like, or definitely a life theme of this is where we're going. This is where we're exploring this avenue of coming back to our hearts and therefore our relationships. And so how do we do these in a way that's nourishing and protective and connected? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm so excited by your book because I I resonate with what something you'd said earlier, which is I read all the parenting books, but I didn't find something that helped. And for me, early motherhood was torturous. It was just torturous. I think you're helping me put words to why it was torturous and listening to you. Like, I think I was longing for a particular kind of larger holding that I didn't quite have the words for, but the books were not doing it. And I remember I was at a talk by Dan Siegel and he had said that his first parenting book, Parenting from the Inside Out, he had a hard time finding a publisher for that book. And he'd said, because the publishers really want books that scare parents because that'll get them to buy the books. (laughs) And I thought, oh, great. No wonder I feel like crap. (laughs) Maybe a lot of these books are selling fear, not just solutions, you know? And um, as I've gotten to know you, you know, I got to admit, I'm a little frustrated that I didn't have your book when my kids were young. Because my suspicion is that it's 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 what I was longing for at the time. There's um, I don't know. It, it feels like what you're doing is making room for a kind of soulful reverence to the individual wisdom of all these different kinds of mothers, and yet how to honor these different wisdoms. Because I also what I also loathed. And tell me if you experience this, but I also <laughs> loathe mommy shaming. Like there was a lot of judging other moms. I'm like, wait a minute, this is like the hardest thing. And we're like not supporting each other. And it just yeah. feels like your book takes that up in a very different way. Is that, does that yeah. feel true to you? Am I kind of hearing and getting the vibe of what you were setting out to do when I say that? Yes, absolutely. So one of the first things in landscape of mothers is that idea that we're we're opting out of the good and bad. Like for the most part, I don't really believe in the concept of a good mother or a bad mother. Uh, that was one of the places I initially got myself caught, right? Was after placing a baby for adoption, not knowing these things, having a hard time being present to my kids sometimes or having a hard time with their hard time of growing up. 
And then particularly when those ages bumped into things where hard things had happened in my life. So then my like inner child was also struggling while my offspring were struggling. And then my adult self was struggling. And I, I felt like a bad mother. I, I wondered often, like, am I a good mother? Am I a good enough mother? Can I be a good mother? And eventually I got to the question, like, is there a good mother? And for the most part, I just feel like, like when we're doing it, it's one of the most difficult, intense things that we do. And especially because of the way it's set up in current times, right? Where we're often alone in a house with, you know, sometimes multiple children and literally even one is enough to just set the whole thing in difficulty because children are constantly moving through so much stuff. It's they, they move quickly. They feel deeply. They have different needs popping up constantly. And so any wounds about you know, my childhood needs being met or whatever felt triggered constantly. I just, it was just, and then there was no backup, right? So plan A is it. I'm home with my children kind of thing. And um, yeah, so just opting out of that altogether was kind of helpful. Like that idea of, well, let's, if I stop considering whether I'm a good mother or a bad mother, can I, can I focus on what I really want to be happening in each of these moments or the things or my capacities or capabilities at any given moment, or can I focus on the needs and the relationship instead of wondering if I'm doing it right? Um, And certainly the shaming and the quote unquote mommy wars um, that were such a big topic when I was raising small children, my, um, my kids are now teenagers and um, oh yeah, the painful, you know, are they going to the right schools? Are you doing it early enough? Are you doing whatever? And it was all about being good. And it was so performative. Uh, Landscape of mothers is really an invitation to bring it back to ourselves and to do it, um, to do it our own way. So the other part of landscape of mothers is that it's not a prescription. There's no, you know, unlike so many of those parenting books that I read, they were like, well, you do this and you do that. And then I would have trouble doing those things because I would get upset too or whatever. Um, Landscape of Mothers is about finding finding out where we're at and what we're capable of and what we want and kind of trying to bring that to the relationship that we're having as opposed to seeing if we could quote unquote do it right. Wow. You know, I... I'm, I, I have to tell this story because maybe, I don't know if I need empathy from you or what, but I just have to tell it because it is so, it's still so painful. You know, when my kids, I had two sons 18 months apart and I re- my youngest one started walking at nine months and my older one had, was a late walker and I was just banking on my second one to be a late walker too. So I didn't have two crazy drunken sailors like mm-hmm. I'm trying to chase after. And they were at the library. We were at the library one day and they were being very loud and we got scolded. So we, I said, maybe they're hungry. So I walked across the street to this little burrito shop and the littlest one, he just could take off like a blue streak and you just had to keep your eyes on him because he's 12 months. And he just doesn't have the capacity. 
So I had to lock him in his car seat and leave the windows down while I was going in with the other one to get a burrito. I was all alone. And there was a group of nine working mothers sitting out front as my kid is screaming in the car while I'm trying to get some food. And they came up, one of them came up inside the restaurant and tapped me on the shoulder. Um, Your son is in the car unattended. I said, I recognize that, but I need to get him some food. That's why he's upset. And I don't, there's just me here. And they said, well, we're going to call the police on you. And that's just unconscionable for you as a mother to leave your son. And I'm like, but he's right there. I can see him. I said, the other alternative is you could just offer to stand there at the window with him and help me out. But they didn't. They sat and nine women in their business suits and they all shook their heads at me and shamed me. (laughs) It was the most painful mothering experience ever. And that's not talked about in the books, except for to say, this has happened to us and doesn't it suck? But I'm like, how can we heal this? How can we tap into something much, much, and, and, and then maybe what is that about anyway, soulfully? Like, why are we doing that to one another? We're on the same team. And I'm curious what you'd have to say about that notion of why we do it and how we can get on the same team and what landscape of mothers, how it takes that up. Well, to the question of why we do that to each other, I think some of it is is so much bigger than us. We live in a, you know, I'm going to say we live in a culture that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the United States and this Western culture or these like Western cultures have this glorification of the individual. And we have this deep isolation in the way industry is set up and the way that we work and what we consider normal now. I think there's a history in which we would have raised children as a village or as a group. And, you know, that gets talked about a lot, but the practice of it really just isn't there. And I think that's part of it is that we perceive parenting a child as someone's individual responsibility. And I, I think, I think there's a deep wound in there. Um, And I honestly, I'm not exactly sure what to do about it. I, I think, I think there are ways that, I mean, that kind of can sound like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. And I don't want to present that either because I don't think that's helpful. Uh, But I think that we do need to recognize that if we're going to, to band together, if we're going to be more supportive, we, we have to take an active role in that. It's not something we can just think like, oh yeah, we're in this, you know, we're in this together. We have to act like we're in this together. And the experience you had was, you know, nine women absolutely deciding that it was an individual responsibility. Um, and, you know, individuals do the best they can. And it's, it's so easy to judge an individual. I mean, I think there's a million things going on under that too, is um, can make us feel better about ourselves, whatever. Um, and le- the way landscape of mothers would would approach it is that two of the archetypes in landscape of mothers 
I perceive would be the ones who would kind of deal with that. And I say kind of because there would actually be at least one more who would come in to stabilize it. But the, the, this particular conversation, I think, lies on the, um, the axis of island mother and forest mother. So island mother holds our, our solitude is what I consider to be her gift, right? She's the one who, who can find the time and space. And by that, I don't necessarily mean outwardly, more like in her mind to give herself some, you know, to, to take a good look at herself. So she's introspective. She would be the one who would um, notice the difficulties, who would notice the personal part of being the recipient of shaming. She would be the one who would be choosing how she was going to deal with it. She would be the one who um, would tend to her own internal feelings about that and take care of herself. And the forest mother would be the one who who addressed more of the collective experience, um, the choosing of peers, the creating community, the one who would find the connections, who would listen to each other, who would take care of each other, who would make sure that they all got what they needed. And, uh, and so those two mothers, I feel like, would really come forward to describe the situation at hand um, in that instance. I, I think I, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting a lot of new awareness from what you'd said and metaphor and imagery is coming to me as I listen to you. And what I realize your book is doing is it's giving me as a mom it's giving other mothers who choose to take it up a place to plant themselves where they're getting the nutrients that they need from, you can say, the archetypal mothers, the ancestral mothers, the nature mothers, right? And this may sound esoteric for some, but for those of you that haven't read the piece that I just put on the Sidewalk Talk blog about our loneliness being deeply linked to our disconnection from the land and our bodies and our ancestors. This just feels right on because you're giving mothers a community now, even while the community hasn't fully formed because we're at least rooting into the earth and we're at least rooting into the, into the ancestral archetype. So we can call forth forest mother. We can call forth island mother to hold us until we have rebuilt the community in the external. Is that, is that kind of, am I, am I piecing that together? Right. Oh, absolutely. And you're alluding to some of my future books. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad. And there's, um, you know, what I always enjoy about speaking with you, Jill, is that there's um, a quality in the pacing of the way that you talk that feels I, I, there's a, an intentionality and a carefulness about how you choose your words that feels, I could almost feel your tendril roots kind of going down into the wet earth mm-hmm. just in how you use your voice, right? So it's, um, <clears throat> it comes across just 
in the ether and just being in connection with you. And I really just wanted to, I just always wanted to say that to you. Now I've got you one-on-one, so I get to say it to you. <laughs> it's like you embody the book, right? You, you, are, you are one of these trees in the forest, in the landscape of mothers. And you are sending out these nutritive gems to all the other trees in this, in this landscape. And, and um, yeah, it's just lovely to, to know you and be in connection with you in that way. So take that in. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. When a mom picks up this book, like from your heart of hearts, from like this deep place in you and you imagine she's got it open and she's got her hands on the spine and she's having this experience of isolation or or confusion or fear whatever's going on for her and she starts reading the book what do you hope happens for her on the inside as she begins to move through reading about these archetypes of mother, what do you hope happens for her heart? I, I hope that there is a sense of feeling seen and, um, and maybe understood. I hope that she gets a sense that that she isn't alone. I hope that she gets a sense that she that there are other people out there who feel deeply like she does. And even if she doesn't know them or have them in her daily life or she has these experiences of shame or whatever or wonders if she can be a good mother I hope that there's a place in her heart that starts to to light up to feel like she can like there's a way and like there's a place to start Mm. so she's got the holding she's got the launching pad to begin to feel supported is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And just a little bit of that easing of that isolation. I think, I think isolation for me, isolation is sort of the flip side of solitude, right? So Island mother, um, while solitude is her gift, isolation is her struggle. And I feel, at least for me, I feel like there was such pain there in that sense of being isolated. Um, solitude is a different thing. Solitude is the, the robust part that has agency in being alone and um, that gives that ability to turn inward and be self-reflective. But isolation really steals a lot of that when it becomes a deep, pain and struggle. And that's the thing that I personally had that I want so much to tend to for mothers reading the book. Mm. Mm. Love that. 
You know, it just occurred to me as I was listening to you, and, and you kind of alluded to it when we first started talking, that we, we all need to be mothered and we all need to be mothers. This isn't just a, a role based on whether you have children. I mean, the society that we're living in needs a lot of mothering mm-hmm. from all identities of people. And, and it got me thinking about what we do at Sidewalk Talk and how, how somebody that maybe has never had children might apply some of the, this archetypal wisdom to how they're showing up in their relationships. Can we riff on that and spitball a little bit on how that might happen? Yeah, absolutely. I, for me, landscape of mothers... I, I think I say this in the pre- in the preface of the book, which is for me, mothering isn't what women do with children. It's how all of us care for, nourish and nurture each other. And in that sense, no, you know, in order to interact with landscape of mothers, no one needs to have a child. All we need is a relationship in our lives. And we all have those with someone. Right. Um, And I think there's, so for me, the reason that landscape of mothers is called landscape of mothers is because for me, I learned these things through parenting, but it's not the only place I apply it. Um, And there's, again, sort of, you know, um, moving forward a little bit into hopefully future books, (laughs) Um, is that landscape of mothers has, there's at least four different ways to, that I've personally used landscape of mothers uh, since it came, sort of came through for me in the last three and a half or four years. One of them is, you know, the literal parenting of children. The other one that we've talked about a lot is, um, is internal, right? So we haven't actually said the words, but we've talked or presented these in, in the context of, you know, we have an internal parent that we grow, you know, this is, we have our inner child who takes care of our inner child, our inner parent does. And that inner parent initially is really modeled on our actual parents or caregivers. And so we tend to internalize the way that was. And I think a lot of our internal growth in terms of taking care of ourselves, especially in that island mother realm of like, how do I take care of my internal world comes from us continuing to develop that part of ourselves, that internal adult. And so there's that parenting relationship with ourselves. Often we're taking care of the parts of us that were wounded when they were, when we were children and they come up in relationship because that's where we bump into them. Um, And then there's this way that it can get even bigger, which is that it can become about how we create our communities. And then there's another sort of big picture realm, which is what I think of as like lineage healing, that there's a whole piece that is about addressing the patterns of family wounds. And I feel like my job personally in my family is to interrupt those patterns so that my children grow up with different family patterns. Um, so that I can interrupt the ones that are causing harm and try to create ones that are based in love and care and nourishment and nurturing. 
And so I think there's a, there's all those levels exist within landscape of mothers in terms of being able to use the material, use the archetypes and use the gifts of the archetypes and to use nature um, to take care of those parts of us, whether it's our internal work or community work or lineage work. Wow, that's beautiful. So there's this application, mothering ourselves, mothering our children, mothering our community, mothering our, our, our extended family, mothering our, our ancestor, our ancestral heritage. I mean, it, 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 there's, it's just, um, I'm trying to describe how I'm feeling in the moment as I'm listening to you. There's, cause it's, I'm not feeling heady. I'm feeling it in my body. It's this, um, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's a, it's a way to plant yourself so that you are resilient and moving through the world in a way that provides or supports the resilience of others at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I can feel it as I'm talking about it. Like I feel it as I'm, it's not just a, it's very nice. It feels very delicious. (laughs) (laughs) From the material itself, like I I will say sometimes that I didn't really like write this down. It was never a heady project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really sort of, you know, it really did arise from embodied experience. And it was, it was more the direction of having the embodied experiences over the last 15 years of parenting. And then this coalescence where it bubbled up into words as opposed to, you know, it wasn't an academic exercise, mm-hmm. me, which was new. <laughs> Right, because you're very academic, right? Yeah, no, it's it's like a transmission and, and an energetic, which is, you know, as I age in my therapy process, that's when the change happens is when someone gets it on that visceral level, not in the head, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Well, I mentioned to you at the start of our conversation that we have a bit of a, a ritual and just considering what we've talked about you know, there's, there's these folks that sign up with sidewalk talk and they offer to put a chair out on a sidewalk and listen to strangers passing by and whatever your heart feels called, whether it's words of wisdom, advice, or a wish, what would you want to say directly to those folks that pull up a chair and and sit down to listen on a sidewalk? I think I would just really love to offer those people deep gratitude for a willingness to to listen, to be present to other people. You know, we talked about that that um sort of relationship between island mother and forest mother. And it feels to me that when, when your volunteers take those chairs and they go sit out, they're really embodying that forest mother desire for connection and understanding and being in it together And I feel like that's such an immense gift 
to a world that is so focused around the island mother side of being an individual. And so I have just immense gratitude for the gift of their own presence and their own hearts that these, these volunteers are willing to, to put themselves out there and say, you know, I want to be connected. I want to, I want to hear you. I want to, I want to know something about you. It feels like a revolutionary act. Mm. Well, I know that felt really good to hear. And I can imagine the listeners really could, could feel that as you said it. And I just want to say thank you for in the middle of all the things going on for you for being willing to be in dialogue today. And I'm so excited to share this book with the world because, because of where I'm personally at in my own development, but also because I know what I longed for as a mom. And because I know, I, I think our shared coach, Randy said, this is a rebellious book. And as, as soft and gentle as you sound, there's something rebellious about it because it is saying we don't have to live on this binary of good and bad. And that is rebellious. And I love that. I love that. So thank you for, for birthing this book and bringing it to the rest of us. And thank you for coming and talking with us about it. Oh, this has been my pleasure. It was really wonderful to talk to you and um, thank you for, for the conversation and the invitation. So appreciate it. And for everyone listening, all kinds of information in the show notes today about how to find out more about Jill, how to find out more about Landscape of Mothers, and I'm so excited to, to have you engage more with what she's offering to the rest of us. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.